0: How many marathons is too many planning for 2023? How many marathons is ideal for someone to run in one calendar year? The question can be answered by simply looking at what an athlete's goals are. So there really isn't a blanket answer to this question because each athlete has different goals. And our job as a coach is to help you figure out the best path of success based on your goals. Now, for most athletes that we work with here at run for prs and most people who I've interacted with on our social media pages and just came across at races, it appears that most runners have their goals being related to reaching their optimal performance potential in the marathon distance or other distances. So in layman's terms, they want to become a faster marathoner. So they want to be able to run the fastest possible time that they can in the marathon. And if this is your goal as well, or if it's one of your goals, We recommend limiting how many marathons per year that you run simply due to the fact that this approach of limiting marathons and being really specific with your training usually leads to people becoming faster in not only the marathon but all events because you're able to train specifically, recover, and have the correct cycles in place there. But we are also going to be talking about You know, sometimes you do come across people, even some someone might be looking at my own marathoning resume and think, wow, you know, twenty-two marathons, you have only been marathoning for eight years and you're doing the math and saying, Well, you've done more than you know, two per year for the time that you've been doing that. And so that's why we also want to look at if you have other goals. So we are going to talk about in this podcast Number one, what the marathon hamster wheel in quotations is and why some athletes might want to avoid that if they are looking to reach their potential in the marathon. Number two, we're going to be talking about other goals that athletes may have. So maybe you're listening and saying, yeah, getting faster is, is maybe an okay goal for some people. But for me, I just have other goals, um, qualifying for the marathon maniacs, maybe running an ultra marathon. Um, doing an Ironman, there's just a lot of other goals that are in the sport of in the sport of running. So I really want to make sure that we're including um, that conversation piece in here because there are other amount of there could be someone who safely runs twelve marathons a year, right? But we just want to be making sure we address that piece. Um, The third point we're gonna be talking about is, is it to your advantage to potentially wait to run a marathon until you're at a specific weekly mileage or some sort of other benchmark? Then fourth, we're gonna be talking about how you should frame up a two-year plan if your goal is to really optimize your performance in the marathon. So we really wanna take the long-term approach here and really kind of zoom out what should you be focusing on for like this two-year period and setting benchmarks along the way. And the fifth point we're going to be talking about is how many marathons you should be running to optimize your speed and just the whole idea of how neurotic you really have to be to, we're going to talk about some things that are kind of intricate and it's a little bit neurotic. You might be like, wow, that's a lot of stuff and it's really organized and I don't know if I want to do that. So we're going to be talking about, you know, if you do all these things, how big of a difference is it? Going to make in your training right. in the big picture? Are we talking the difference between like a 259 marathon and a 359 marathon, or are we talking more of a couple of minutes? So we'll kind of go over that point as well because a lot of people want to know like, is all of this really worth it? And for some people, you know, it is. Other people, you might think, I don't know. So the first question that we're getting into is Jason, what is the marathon hamster wheel? For those of <laughs> listeners who are not familiar with the term.
1: I guess I would define it as someone who, um, you know, when they finish a marathon and the next cycle or next goal that they have is another marathon. And so, um, maybe you're just doing, you know, this could be three, four marathons in a year. Um, but I think it's just training for a marathon and then having your next, like a goal race considered to be another marathon. So we're, we're not really focused on really improving your 5k time, for example, or lowering your half marathon PR or whatever, um, another distance might be. And so, to me that's how i would define it um, marathon cycle after marathon cycle without giving your body a break or setting some new goals in a different distance
0: <clears throat> yeah definitely and i think it's an easy uh, trap to slide into because when we're talking about the marathon you know 26.2 miles that's a long time right so whenever we're talking about an event i like to look at time-based stuff so in a 5k it's like if you pr in the 5k even a really beginner runner Um, they may only PR by a cup, like maybe it's a minute or two, you know, um, and a super fast runner, you know, maybe you're shaving off a couple seconds, but if you move up in distance, if you're doing a half marathon, that's when you start to see, whoa, like someone does a 10 minute PR. Someone does like a five minute PR. You start to see these really big PRs because you're just out there for longer. And so if you are taking, 30 seconds per mile off your pace in a marathon, that's a 13 minute PR. Whereas if you're doing that in a 5K, you're looking at about a 90 second PR. And so it looks like the improvement is like so much more drastic because you're able to, you know, if you shave a minute per mile off your marathon time, you're taking 26 minutes off the time. And so it's just really drastic. So I think where a lot of people get into this trap is, you do your first marathon, you probably are just doing it to finish, And then you're like, I want to do that again because Mm -hmm. I think I can improve. And so you're looking at how can I improve? And as runners and as people in general, a lot of people have that growth mindset. They want to improve. They want to do better than they did the next time. So they go out, they do another marathon. Of course, there's probably something you can improve on. Maybe it's your fueling you improved on. Maybe it's a better course. You trained smarter. It's really easy to kind of yeah. knock off some time if you didn't go into that first marathon as you know an expert or just really at it at an elite um, level so as you do that it can be really addicting because it's like whoa like I can just make a few tweaks work a little harder and get faster and so I found myself on the same you know trajectory of as, as that and for me I think like my first six marathons or something. It's like everyone was a PR and obviously they got harder and harder to PR. So it's like we went from like a 21 minute PR to like a five minute to like a 15 minute. And then it was like one minute PR, one minute PR. Um, And then all of a sudden you don't PR and then you're Mm -hmm. like, oh man, what did I do wrong? And so you start thinking, okay, what can I do to change? And then that's where I think a lot of people will hop onto that hamster wheel and they just get really stuck because It worked for them in the past they were able to take a lot of time off without maybe necessarily taking a break from the marathon distance because there are so many other factors in the marathon if you focus on even without you know a lot of additional training and off season getting faster you can actually improve your time so fueling picking a faster course maybe doing you know more training running higher mileage a lot of those things are going to yield to a faster marathon time but as you get closer and closer to what your potential is in that marathon distance, it's going to become a lot harder to just like nail out these PRs. And that's why it's really important to kind of hop off that hamster wheel from time to time and do a season focused on maybe it's 5K, maybe it's 10K, maybe it's a half marathon. Mm-hmm. Because without those... Um, faster times in the shorter distances, it can be hard to translate the speed. And if you're constantly, like you said, not taking a break from the marathon distance and you're just hopping into marathon training cycle after marathon training cycle without that base building phase or without an adequate um, recovery off season and then rebuilding, that's where a lot of people can kind of get burnt out because you're not actually giving yourself enough time to rebuild fitness and get to that next peak and so you want to think of it as like each time you're training for a marathon you want to reach like a higher peak but it's it becomes really hard to do that if you're constantly in this recovery phase and then just a base building phase you're just not able to get to that next level
1: yeah exactly and i know a lot of people like to do maybe like a a spring marathon than a fall marathon and that's a common theme we see and yeah you might be able to get away with that for a year or a year and a half or even two years but eventually if you keep on that cycle like you're saying that's not good because you're really only giving yourself I mean it's if it's five or six months between your marathons you know your marathon cycle is going to be about four months of that so you're really only giving yourself like a month to uh, recover or to maybe focus on speed or whatever and so sometimes people think Well, I'm going to do like a 5k and a 10k in between before my next Mm -hmm. marathon, but really you're still in a marathon training cycle because you're still having to, um, focus on your long runs. Right. And, and, um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes people think, well, if I do this race and this race before my next marathon, then that's kind of going to cut me a little slack, but really it's about like, when are you scheduling those marathons? How much time are we allowing, um. So yeah, I mean we're one of the questions coming up, we'll get more into that, but um it's just something interesting to think about.
0: Yeah. And I think the other thing that can get athletes cut up is there's a lot of marathons in general. I mean we're coming out of twenty twenty, so there weren't a lot, but in general there are a lot of marathons and we always in minnesota talk about like we see a lot of athletes that want to do grandma's marathon and twin cities marathon and so if you're not familiar Mm -hmm. this is like a late june marathon and then an early october marathon and it is just not enough time in my opinion to adequately recover and train for that next marathon and so i always call it the grandma's to twin Cities split it's like (laughs) what would it be? July, August, September. So it's about three and a half months in between. So obviously if you hadn't just ran a marathon, um, three and a half months is a great block of time for a marathon training cycle. But what is challenging is that you have to have a recovery period after your marathon because you have to think about what were you doing in the three and a half months leading into July, okay? Or leading into that June right. marathon, you are marathon training. And then it's like, you have to have a month of recovery Then you get two months to train for this Twin Cities Marathon before you have to start tapering. And guess what? Those two months are in the peak of the summer. A lot of people are mentally over it. It becomes really challenging because (laughs) you're doing the same type of workouts you were maybe doing in the spring, only maybe you're running even slower because you lost some fitness during the recovery period. Plus it's warmer outside. There's just Mm -hmm. a lot of factors mentally that work against athletes. And so I try to get people to take a different route with that because that is really close together. Um, The other option is doing Twin Cities in the fall and then you can do Grandma's the next spring and I think that gives a lot more time um, in between where you can really start to build that fitness to the next level. Um, And that's really the main concern is after a marathon, you are going to lose some fitness because you do have to take time off. And if you don't take the time off, um, you know, you're know you gonna risk burnout or injury, eventually it's gonna catch up to you. So it just does take a toll on the body and that's why it's really important to have um, the off season. But of course, with any off season, you are going to have a little bit of a lapse in fitness and you are gonna have to build back and it takes people a while to kind of get back into that groove and you don't want to be like you were saying just because you throw in like another 5k and 10k maybe in two months later you're not you know even those races are actually deterring from your training in some way because what were you going to be doing instead of those races it's like you really have to be really consistent with your training doing workouts week after week, month after month, because that's really how fitness builds. And for constantly racing, we're not able to really focus on the consistency of getting in that training and getting the adaptations from doing quality workouts. Um, so that's just a little tidbit of how the big picture of this works, but this is for people who are really hoping to reach their potential in the mm-hmm. sport of running when it comes to racing a marathon. So if your goal is really performance-related and you're trying to get faster at the marathon, that's something to really think about is um, how many marathons am I going to be running in the next one to two years, and how can I space them out enough? And we'll go into detail on to how you can really space it out to optimize your training but that's just the big picture here but before we dive into the specifics of that we are also going to be talking about other goals that an athlete might have that would cause them to potentially run multiple marathons because what you will see is people on social media people on strava maybe people you know who they're always doing these races they're always doing every marathon they've done a million marathons and you're like that can't, this doesn't make sense because run for PRs and all these people are saying, you know, you should only race one marathon a Mm -hmm. year, whatever. So talk to me a little bit about that, Jason.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of people do, you know, multiple marathons, like you said, for various reasons, right? Some people wanna become a marathon maniac is one example. So that's three marathons in 90 days. Um, Other people might use it as like a training run for something further, like an ultra marathon. Um, I've seen people just do a a marathon because it's like a hometown race, right? And they didn't wanna miss out or um, maybe it's to try to just get a BQ because they want to have it before their you know their a race, which is really in the fall after the cutoff window. And so yeah, whatever the reason, there are a lot of reasons why people might do multiple marathons and you know you just have to you, you have to understand that each person is their own individual unique circumstance. So some people are maybe a little bit better equipped to handle that, right? Or um, you don't you don't necessarily know what goes into like their day-to-day life or their training. Um, and you don't know, Necessarily if they're you know racing these marathons or if they're taking a few of them easily um, So it just kind of finding that balance of, of performance versus like expectation and goals within those races
0: Right, definitely and I know last year after all the fall marathons, you know We had a lot of content related to people who just raced marathons. It was like take time off Make sure you're recovering, make sure you take the rest the day it's like don't run the day after your marathon um, and that was under that assumption of People raced their marathon, and that was their A race. And now it's time for their off season. And we did have a few people commenting because last year was when Shalane Flanagan did all six of the world mm-hmm. major marathons within the span of I don't even know was it six weeks yeah, something I don't know. like that. Was, yeah. Um, some of them were like back to back. So she did Chicago, um, and then flew out to Boston, did the Boston marathon literally the next day. So she did quite a few marathons, and they were all really fast. I mean, I feel like her average time was like two. 40 or like two maybe even faster for all of them um just super impressive a really impressive feat but that is interesting because her goal was literally exactly what we're talking about her goal was to complete all six of them in the the time frame she wanted to um push herself and she did them at like that moderate pace a pace that she knew she could continue doing all of them Mm -hmm. and so that in and of itself was the challenge that was her goal um, and so I think it's just really important to identify what your goal is. And so that's what she did. She identified what her goal was and then kind of pacing yourself appropriately. So obviously if your goal is you want to run, maybe you want to run three marathons this fall, you want to qualify for the marathon maniacs. Um, that would be running, I think three marathons in 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, don't quote me on that. That's what it was when I qualified, but you, you might choose to do that, but in order to complete that goal, you might need to adjust. So maybe you're not gonna go out all out on all of the marathons. You're just gonna do it more at like a moderate effort um, so that you can continue to repeat the performance um, 50 days later and then 30 days later after that. So you want to make sure you're adjusting your performance goals to come Mm -hmm. to adjust for this and make sure that you're actually training in a way that is going to support your goals. So, you know, if you're trying to qualify for marathon maniacs, then that's going to look a little bit different in your pacing plan and in your marathon execution and training than say running up your first Boston qualifying time and setting like a PR in the marathon distance.
1: Yeah. And everyone has their own motivation for why they want to do multiple marathons, right. In a short period of time. And so, um, you know, there's that, as well as the the recovery aspect, like not knowing how people's bodies handle the distance. Um, you know, if someone is able to run, you know, a certain time, uh, you know, like let's say within a ten minute window at all three of their marathons in a short period of time, um, and you know, you may be someone that can run that time, but you're just really exhausted and you really mm-hmm. need that break after. Um, That just means you're built differently, right? Right. And so like their their training's maybe a bit different, maybe they have a different history or experience. And um, I've known people like that all the time. Like I I always found it difficult to even run a few days later after a marathon and I'd see people go out and do like a shakeout within a few days. Um, And even like a week later, I was still pretty destroyed. And so I was always one that just, I needed the time off after the marathon. I couldn't fathom jumping into another marathon cycle. So when I got into my marathoning career, I would only do one a year for the first few years or less than that even. So,
0: Right. Every mm-hmm. athlete is so different, and that's why it's really important to kind of take those things into consideration and, and knowing if you are durable or not. And I think in previous podcast episodes we've talked about the main strengths and weaknesses of a runner, and one of those strengths and weaknesses is just are you durable or are you more injury prone? And I think people who have that durability as a strength – Um, Obviously, they can handle probably doing more marathons than someone who's more injury prone. But it can also be like a double-edged sword because at the same time, you are someone who can handle a lot. So you might be someone who's more prone to getting burnt out mentally. And so your body is like it can almost withstand more than what it should be able to. And you have to take into consideration that there are other things besides an injury occurring that can derail your training and and that's kind of been something that's happened to me it's like I've trained myself and I've been feeling great there I have no injury and then it's like boom all of a sudden I don't want to run or you know I feel like oh I just really hate running and I don't want to train for anything and that's a result of you know overtraining and so you have to be cautious of that and so as coaches we always are trying to help our athletes just toe the line and not ever step into that zone of where they're like oh you running you know and that's the biggest risk that you run is you know if you you have an athlete who is super ambitious wants to do a lot of marathons you we really have to be cautious and careful of how we approach that sort of goal in terms of okay doing ultra marathons qualifying for marathon maniacs because you're really pushing the limits um in in that regard when it comes to that and so it's really important to adjust goals adjust pacing all of those things when we are looking at some of these ultra endurance challenges that someone might face but as we're going back to the like traditional marathoner who wants to do A marathon PR or they just want to have a really good performance in the marathon that's their a focus for the year they have this idea they have this race Um, you know maybe they have a goal time that they want to run Uh, talk to me a little bit about you know a two-year plan or maybe even like a four-year plan for an athlete who Let's just use an example because I always think it's easier to, to go off of examples. If you have an athlete who really wants to run a 330 marathon and qualify for Boston or just under 330, qualify for Boston, and right now they're currently running about like 745 pays for a 5k, but they want to know like how do I get to that level where i can turn that basically into my marathon pace like what is the plan going to look like how many years how do i frame it up because i think for a lot of people they just think okay i'm just gonna do a marathon this year do a marathon next spring do a marathon next fall right but there's a better approach Mm -hmm. so let's talk about what that better approach is
1: yeah so you know the good thing about when you're training for shorter races you can do them a little bit more frequently so You know, if you have an A5K, uh, A A race 5K on the schedule, chances are you might wanna do one or two or three before that A race, just because um, you wanna get the experience, right? And you wanna recover, and then you wanna apply that to the future race. And so Mm -hmm. you're probably gonna have a better performance. We see this all the time with high school and college races, right? Like kids peaking at the end of the season. Um, And so the idea here is you wanna first obviously be able to run this pace for a 5K, and then eventually it'll translate up to the 10K. Um, And so you can, structure your cycles however you want with your race distances but eventually you want to build towards that distance so once you can run that pace for 10k then eventually become your 10 mile pace and then your um you know half marathon pace and i think it's a good thing to do a few halves before you do a full just because Mm -hmm. you really then find out like what are your strengths within the long distance running you know to me you know you could be pretty good at a 5k 10k but you're If you go, if you jump into the marathon too quickly, you could just, you could bomb it basically. You know, a lot of first time marathoners, they go in maybe a little bit in over their heads, right? And so um, I think it's helpful to do a few halves just to kind of have to, you know, see how you react to certain circumstances like race uh, day weather and different course challenges and stuff like that. And then I think you're a lot more equipped to, you know, have a better experience in that first marathon. And then to also have a better idea of like, what are you capable of running, you know, based on where your fitness is at
0: right yeah so in your example it's like if someone has never run a marathon i think it's great to like you said do a few halves then maybe like it's a maybe every year you're doing a half in the fall and then the spring we're focusing on like 5k 10k stuff but that whole year we're going to have consistency in your training we're going to be doing workouts um twice a week for the entire year pretty much unless you're tapering and so if you look at a whole calendar year and let's say you're doing two workouts a week the whole time that's 104 workouts that's 104 chances to improve that fitness and that really gives you a lot of time and so really we want to be focusing on where you're at today so like doing a time trial and then setting what is that goal in three months from now Um, let's say it is going to be a half marathon we're going to you know, tailor workouts workout specific to that. See what you can do in a half. And then based on what your performance is in the half, maybe we're going to adjust. And after an off season, we're going to come back and we're going to do some 5k, 10k speed stuff. And a lot of people, when they hear, okay, we're going to do 5k, 10k speed stuff. They think all of a sudden we're going to like reduce mileage. Our workouts are going to be so different, but really when we're talking about building someone a foundation to run a 330 marathon we are not going to be cutting back to mileage if someone's training for a 5k 10k we're going to keep that mileage we might even build right like so the idea is that we're building that aerobic system and we're preparing this athlete for this long-term goal out in the future um, where I think a lot of people go wrong is they think, oh, 5K, 10K, okay, I'll just like run three days a week. I'll do less than what I did for my half marathon. But no, if you really want to build yourself into this like endurance athlete, build like machine, you really need to increase mileage almost every season until you're reaching that sweet spot, until you know you right. start to plateau because that mileage base is going to be the biggest factor when it comes to how fast you can become in the sport of running. And I know that's kind of, Whoa, controversial to say, because obviously there are factors involved with that. Like you can only run so many miles like that you can recover from. Everyone has a different sweet spot. But the number one thing that's going to get you faster is running. Right. And so the more you can do that, the more consistent you can be with that for years and years the better marathoner you are going to become. And so in that case, love what you said. But then there's the other person, right? The person who comes to us usually with maybe a marathon two, maybe even six under their belt, right? And they're they're saying, you know, I'm here at a 3.54 marathon. I want to get to a 3.30. I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been doing it for five years, whatever how do I bridge the gap? Because at mm-hmm. that point it's like, oh wow, okay, they've been doing this for a very long time and they're at this point, they've been wanting to get to this point for a while, how can we bridge this gap? How can we get them to break through from this 354 right. to the 330? So we're gonna look at the variables that are at play. What have they been doing in the past? Um, sometimes I'll see you know, things that I know that if we tweak and they consistently Utilize that tweak for an entire year or two. It's going to make a huge difference So a lot of the times it's that the easy runs are too fast mm-hmm. um, And then there's not the quality workouts So a lot of the times, you know, we've talked about easy running so many times and people get it They know they have to slow down But what I see happen is that people will go the fastest possible that they can on their easy days and it be acceptable And then what is compromised as a result is their workouts. They aren't doing hard enough workouts. And so the other secret that I think is really important, we talk about easy days all the time, but what we don't really always see emphasized is that you have to be doing quality workouts. You can run easy until the cows come home, but you're not going to reach that next level if it is not paired with that stress of the quality workouts. That's what's actually going to make your body have the adaptations to lower your threshold, to get to that next level with your speed. Um, So I really wanna emphasize that that is hugely important, is doing the right type of workouts and consistently doing them week after week, year after year. Like I said before, 104 opportunities for these workouts. And so they matter a lot. And we wanna make sure that you're training at the appropriate paces, you're doing the correct workouts to become a strong marathoner. Um, and that you're just being consistent with it. So what are some of the things that you find when it comes to like workout days? you find that when people come to you and they want to break through in the marathon, is that an area that you start to elaborate on and build on?
1: Yeah. Like you said, um, I'll look a lot, I'll ask a lot of questions about like their previous training history. I'll try to identify like maybe missing pieces, right? So I'll look for like gaps within their training. A lot of people may take um, months off or multiple months off every year, every couple of years. And so that could be one area. Uh, you mentioned this, they're running the easy days too fast. That's another very common one. And then just not, yeah, not enough polarization within their training, not enough specific workouts that align with what their goals are. Um, and so we'll kind of just start there and hopefully get these things aligned and then just keep them consistent. And yep. hopefully, you know, sometimes it's one variable for some athletes, but other times it is like three of these variables we're talking about. And once we can get all these things, align and consistent. Um, Some people are going to experience results sooner. Others, it's going to take longer. It'll just kind of depend on um, their history and their experience. Um, So yeah, but I would say those are probably the three most common things as well.
0: Absolutely. I get messages a lot on social media, even on my own, you know, not personal, but like my running and Instagram account. People will say, you know, I've been doing the easy running. like you said, sometimes people will say, I've been doing it. I feel amazing. I, I'm running faster than ever. But sometimes I will get people that are like, I'm trying this easy running and I just feel like I'm getting slower. Like I feel like it's not working and I am getting slower. Some people will, literally will show me like I got slower on race day. And then I'm always like, okay, well, what were you doing for your workouts? Because it's not just like let's run slower all the time. It's let's run slower so that we can run faster and we can do these quality workouts. And so that is the number one thing I really want to hit home: is you gotta have the quality workouts. For sure. And consistency over time with those quality workouts, with the mileage, with the easy days, it's going to pay off. And so I think the biggest thing that holds people back when they sign up for coaching, I hear a lot of our coaches say this, is someone will sign up, you know, 12 weeks till their marathon, and we're going to introduce some new variables, some things that maybe these athletes haven't done before. And it can be really challenging to even like embrace that change. So it might be okay, you're slowing down on your easy days and you're gonna be doing some of these workouts. Sometimes it just takes like a full month for the athlete to even really kind of embrace going slow enough on the easy days and then by then, it's like you only have eight weeks till the marathon, then it's really only five weeks till the taper and not a lot can be done in you know five weeks of training. so that's why I think it's really important to think long-term, especially when you start working with a coach or you start you know maybe you have a goal that you personally want to achieve and you're not even going to work with a coach you want to do this on your own you want to achieve you know x time in the marathon i would want someone to think what am i going to do in the next 18 months to get there and not think about okay eight weeks till race day it's like you really if you really want to reach your potential and see what can i do in this sport it's going to take Several months. It's gonna take years to get there. So it's better to have that long term approach. And I think it's awesome when people have like the short term goals, they sign up and they're like, yeah, I wanna run, you know, a marathon in 12 weeks. That's great. But it doesn't end there. Like it keeps, that's the beginning, right? So you wanna keep building off of that. And so each race you can learn something. So let's say you do that marathon in 12 weeks. Um, that's not gonna be like your end all be all of running. We wanna just keep you on that trajectory, keep you building to whatever your really big scary audacious goal is
1: yeah and i think you know for we get uh, people that come in all types of camps right like they come to us with that goal that you talked about they want to be Q, and sometimes they're very very motivated right and so they're kind of willing to do the try the new things and whatnot um which is great and for some people it might just be like hey you're um we just need to increase your mileage or we need to add some strength training in here because you keep seeming to get injured, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. For other people it's they're, um, they're somewhat receptive. So they'll try a few things and then, um, maybe like they're missing a piece somewhere, like it could be the motivation. So then eventually, um, they just miss some time and then that can affect the overall result. Right. And so we talk about that consistency piece and just how important that is. And then you have other people that like, they're really motivated by like the result but they're not very motivated by the work that goes into it, right? Like all of the f- things that we talk about. And so I think you're a good example of um, being consistent year after year and like how you've, how you've grown as a runner. And like, you talk about like volume, right? How that builds. And so, you know, when we look at elite runners, a lot of times their easy day lowest mileage run might be like eight to 10 miles. but And for some of these runners that we, we coach uh, um, coach a lot of, their easy day runs might be like three miles, right? And so the thought is over time, that run's gonna soon be like four miles, five miles, six miles until your mileage is built. And then by that point, hopefully you are getting to that next level, you're breaking through, you're seeing the the times increase. I don't know if that kind of makes sense. but Yeah,
0: no, I mean, I think people come in like all different camps, right? Like mm-hmm. you were saying, and it is interesting because there are so many different motivation styles and so many different training styles out there. I mean, you see pretty much all shapes and sizes. And I do think it is important to note that, you know, these things do take time. And often we spotlight or you see people on social media that take these huge um, chunks of time off their marathon and it's like whoa I want to do that and then like you said it's doing the work day in and day out year after year after year month after month um, that just can really grind at you and you don't always see people posting like those times like oh it's really boring and I haven't ran a marathon PR in two years but here I am still right. doing the mileage still doing the workouts and even for me personally in 2014 24- 15, no, no 2015 I ran a 314 marathon and I was like you know what I wrote down a piece of paper I was like 309 like I'm gonna do it and I thought okay five minutes like that's that's no big deal because I had in the three years before that I had taken almost like 50 50 minutes off my marathon time so I thought to get those next five minutes piece of cake right like maybe mm-hmm. maybe a year maybe two years so 2016 rolls by, no marathon PR. In fact, I closed out the year running like 15 minutes slower, probably, um, in all my marathons. Then 2017, I got pregnant. Still, you know, still trained. Still came back postpartum. 2018, um, I ran a PR at the end of that year. So it was three and a half years later. I ran a PR. It was 40 seconds or something. And so I still didn't run the 309 mm-hmm. and nowhere near, but it was still a goal. And I was like, I really want to run, like, I know I can do it. But again, it's like 2019, I, I didn't train for a marathon. I just couldn't uh, get it together, didn't. And I think I did actually run a marathon, but I knew I wasn't in 309 shape. I ran like 323. And so it's just mm-hmm. like this journey. It's like, whoa, what? And then like in 2020, I was pregnant again, um, didn't run any marathons, 2021. I ran a 318 and then I ran a 311. Like it's, it's just like, it was so like it, right. it just takes so many years, so many attempts. And then finally, here it is. 2022 it was seven years after I set that goal. I ran a 301. And so everyone's like, Oh my gosh, like, what did you do? Like, how did you have this breakthrough? how did you, and it's just like, ugh, no, it wasn't a breakthrough. It was like I was doing the work consistently for years and years and years and like finally I had a race where you know all came together and I think that's how running is sometimes it's like you're just gonna have some years some months some seasons where it's just like oh like a drag and I wish that more people like shared Mm -hmm. this side of running because I think a lot of people can relate to that it's like some some years some seasons you're just not feeling it but that doesn't mean that the whole goal and your big long-term goal is like out the window you can come back from you know a year where you just don't really care that much about it and you can be like on fire that next year because you allowed yourself some time and space to not like um, push yourself through training when you weren't feeling it but I think the biggest thing obviously is consistency and just however you can be the most consistent is what's really gonna get you the results And so. I like how you brought up some people are really motivated by the training and i think those are the people that end up having a lot of long-term success sometimes the people who are motivated by the results can be really competitive and maybe they reach that next level on race day because they're like mentally so like focused and that's really what they're motivated by but it can be really hard for them to string together solid training mm-hmm. so that's the biggest thing that helps people really reach their potential is How much training can you put in right how consistent can you be and all of those things so i think it's good to think long term so even if you have a goal of qualifying for boston maybe that's like your 309 that was for me it could maybe it's going to take you seven years like we don't know you know like maybe you're going to move you're going to have a kid or you're going to change jobs but it can still be you can still be on that trajectory and i think the entire time i was going through that i always had in the back of my head like okay, like I'm, I'm still on that trajectory. Like I could still see it, even though maybe I wasn't necessarily training for it the entire time. It's like, I still had that in the back of my head. And then you set benchmark goals or you set goals for yourself based on where you're currently at. How can I get there? Um, how can I build towards that long-term goal?
1: Yeah. I love your story. You know, it's a great, um, just example of, don't ever underestimate the the work that's going to go into reaching that goal or the length of time that it might take but also don't underestimate yourself um so you know if you can stay motivated stay consistent that you're going to give yourself the best chance um to reach that goal and um you know I think during that time you know did you have any other so it was seven years till you reached that goal seven years, did yeah. you have any I know you PR in a half like a month or two before that but did you have any other like I guess, small victories along the way and other distances to kind of keep you motivated?
0: Honestly, like, no, not really. I mean, there were races that I had where I was like, oh, you know, like I PR'd by a little bit. But yeah, like my 5K PR is still from 2015. Right. I I mean, I ran a half PR twice, but they, were three, yep. they were three or four years apart. Um, and that's the thing is like, I even though like I wasn't PRing, like I or like not every race is going to be a PR, exactly. right? I still in the back of my head was like, it doesn't matter because like, the consistency and that's the thing is then i was thinking okay the consistency of like how consistent i've been so yeah maybe i didn't pr in the half but how many times have i broken 130 and the half in the last five years versus back when it was little me in 2015 i had done it maybe once but it's like i could sit there and count like okay i've done this like six or seven times like this pace is it's feeling easier i am more consistent i'm a stronger runner and so i tried to frame it up looking at it more like that is, okay, I can hold this pace for longer and I am stronger in like the endurance and strength regard. Um, but yeah, when it comes to like the speed, I honestly felt like I I actually kind of like lost a little bit of raw speed just because, you know, going through pregnancy and childbirth twice and then being in my thirties, I think just, I don't know. I don't have as much of that like leg turnover as I used to, but I don't think that really makes a difference when it comes to the marathon. I think the marathon, it's like that experience over time. And I Mm -hmm. really think that that's the only factor. I think that if you could take 2015 me and 2022 me, the 2015 me would beat me so fast in a 5k, in a one mile, in a 10k. But the 2020 me or 2022 me, it's like, I don't know. It's just, my body can hold the pace for longer. And I think that's literally a result of miles over time and consistently training. And that's really why I think you see a lot of these women, even like Sarah Hall or um, the other one who they're like, in their late thirties and they're crushing it. And it's like, why? Oh, well, because they've been doing this for like 20 plus years, you know?
1: Yeah. So even though you're not getting like, you know, you're not you're setting not a 5K PR, yeah, you're but. still, you, you know, you're still growing as a runner. Like right. you're becoming, you're wiser, right? Maybe it's like the little things, taking care of your body, yep. just being re- really like aware of like, what's going to help you feel good, you know, in your workouts or, or how fast you should approach pacing a specific workout session or a race, given the variables, given the sun, the the wind, the heat, the hills, all that. You learn that, right? You learn that over time, not just through racing, but through training, and so that's really what this is about is you know you're going to gain experience by doing a 5k cycle 10k cycle half racing half marathons that is going to apply to the marathon when you decide to go back to it and sometimes i think by taking a break you can actually get more benefit especially if you're someone like me who maybe gets a little bit burnt out of the marathon or you're just finding yourself in this negative headspace if you are on that hamster wheel allow yourself to take that break and you just never know like what tools you might gain that's going to help you when you go back to the marathon
0: right definitely and i think even just from a mental standpoint it's going to take a little bit of a break from marathoning because like you said it's like it's such a grind and whenever i'm in a marathon training cycle like it feels great like you love the challenge and you feel really fit and all the things and those things are really addicting like you want to keep doing that keep reaching that next level but it is also simultaneously extremely exhausting so training for a marathon there's a lot of things that fall to the back burner that. If you weren't training for a marathon maybe it wouldn't happen so maybe it's some of your social relationships that you normally hang out with friends and during your marathon training cycle it's like you really have to prioritize doing these long runs doing all these workouts and so you want to be going to bed early you want to be kind of staying in laying low mm-hmm. and that's really what you have to prioritize in some of these marathon training cycles and so as a result you're kind of living a different lifestyle and so i think from that sort of standpoint, we do have to make time for different things, have different seasons, and oscillate between the super obsessive runner and then, you know, someone who's taking it more moderate, right? Just like the consistent training year after year where you can get faster. And I think a lot of people don't want to like recognize and acknowledge, like, hey, yeah, it does take a lot out of you. And I don't think it's really meant to be sustained um, for. For the entire year, year after mm-hmm. year, unless you're like a professional runner, then I guess that's kind of all you do. But yeah, I think it's tough for just the, the recreational or even competitive athletes to sustain long-term from a mental standpoint, even.
1: Yeah. Most professionals will take that break too, at least mm-hmm. when they're done with like their competitive or their, um, I guess they're considered their professional um, career, you know, and they might take a little bit of a break and then they might come back and run marathons, but um, I know one of the questions was like how you frame a two-year plan if your goal um, is to optimize yourself in the marathon. So we, we kind of covered that, but um, f- for me, like I would say, um, it would be it'd be good to at least do one or two speed cycles. So within that cycle, you might be focusing on five k, ten k's, and then maybe run a couple halves before that marathon. Um, how many marathons do you think is is it okay to run maybe in a year or two-year time frame if you're trying to optimize your potential?
0: Yeah, I think it's really going to vary from, like, what you have been doing. So I like to look at an athlete, like, what have they done in the last, like, 12 months, right? So let's say in the last 12 months you've done two or three marathons. Or in the last 18 months the athlete's already done three marathons. I would say for 2023 let's focus on maybe doing only one. Because if you just came off of um, doing three in mm-hmm. 18 months, that I mean, that's a lot. Um, if you're coming from you haven't done one since like 2019 or something. It's like, well, maybe, maybe in this case, we do like one just to rust bust, like just to get back into the swing oh. of that. Um, Cause it's been four years and maybe to build that endurance back, build like that, you know, confidence from that. Cause I always like to do that. If I'm coming back like postpartum or after having a kid, I always kind of wanted one marathon where I just like, you know, test the waters before I go crazy, right? Right. Um, And then give yourself, you know, a couple months or maybe six to nine months in between. It just really depends on the athlete. But if you're not like all out racing that first one and it's more of like a rust buster and you're coming back after some time off or some time away from the distance, I think you can get away with being a bit more aggressive with how many you do in like an 18-month time frame. But if you're someone who... You look at the last five years you've done two every year for the last five years i think whoa let's let's really Mm -hmm. take a step back um but i I think like one a year or like two to three and 18 months is probably the most that i I would recommend doing you can get like on a bender and maybe if you're coming after time off and maybe you end up stretching and doing the three and 18 months but after that you're gonna need some time to kind of reevaluate recuperate And when I say, like, take some time after that, it's just away from marathon training. So it's away from doing 20 mile long runs, it's away from doing two and a half hour long runs every weekend, every other weekend, you're still gonna be able to run high volume. You're still gonna be able to get your mileage up there. We still want you doing workouts. It's not like this boring, you're not allowed to do anything. It's just, you know, maybe instead of doing two and a half hour long runs, you're doing 90 minute to two hour long runs. And that actually does make a huge difference in how much time you have, how good you feel, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, good point. And I was gonna say kind of the same, you know, three and 18 months, if you do that, I think it's good to take a full year after that. But, you know, I know a lot of people that maybe, they just don't feel the motivation to train, like, after, if they don't have, like, a marathon to do. So, like, they may be, um, you know, looking to just take more time off, and then if their intention was only to rest for a little bit till they figure out what their next race is, all of a sudden three months go by, right? And then they basically are starting over from scratch. And so that's really what we want to try to avoid if you have these long-term goals. It's really, and that's why it's important to you know, kind of follow a plan or work with a coach so that you can minimize those breaks, right? And so you may not know what you want to do yet, but as long as you know that your long-term goal is maybe run a BQ or break four hours and it's three years down the road, um, limit those breaks. And then um, you, you don't necessarily need to have a race on the calendar. You can get back to training. Maybe your focus is just going to be on maintenance for a while or speed endurance. So yeah, you're going to be running a lot less mileage for a little bit until you set your next goal, but um, at least then you're staying consistent. Um, And I like how you said, too, that a lot of times your mileage isn't really going to come down much because sometimes for people um, that uh, change of the training cycle, let's say you're going to do like a 10 mile training cycle, you may actually, you know, if you've been more consistent than you've been in the last year, um, to prior to, than that i mean you've been more consistent the last year than you were in previous years i should say um you may now be able to handle like higher higher volume higher mileage and so mm-hmm. your your average weekly mileage might be as high or higher than it was during the marathon that you did like six months ago so that sort of thing it doesn't always need to be so drastically different
0: right yeah i think it's important to to know like everyone's different obviously and so we talk in this podcast is pretty general terms but the main points that we're hitting home is like the consistency piece and so if you're consistent with the two weekly workouts mileage just being high up there that end of itself is enough stress to really get you to get faster and sometimes like for example I have a friend that does she does like five marathons a year typically um and that's a lot and people will see what she does her training on Strava because she's one of my training partners and they're like whoa like how does she do that many marathons and stuff but she's just doing these marathons at like a moderate pace and she doesn't do pretty much any workouts in between it's just she does these marathons takes a little bit of time off but then just kind of gets right back into it does it again so she is like really on this marathon hamster wheel and doesn't necessarily take time to do the workouts and so i think it's just important that like everyone's training at their own what works for them and Doing those marathons is like her style of training And so you might follow someone on social media where it's like they're doing this or maybe you Have a friend who's doing this other thing Um, Just really focusing on yourself and like what your goals are long term is really important because everyone's training is going to look different Um, But the biggest thing that you can do to become a faster runner is really being consistent with those two weekly workouts over time Um, It's just gonna really get your trajectory there and then just remembering not to compare because you might see someone doing multiple marathons in a year and like getting faster at each one and get really excited and think oh i want to do that but we don't know their situation we don't know their case scenario um and even with my friend who does them every year it's like you don't know like what her pr is based on what she's running at all these marathons so it might look like really awesome like super fast to, to the lay person but like to her Personally, it's like she's running 15 minutes off her PR and it's, it's not as taxing on her body necessarily because she's going at more of a moderate pace. So I think just looking at those factors and then there's gosh, Ben Johnson, he has a big following on, um, social media. He kind of does, he does a lot of marathons too. And so I think when people have like a following on social media and they're posting that they're doing a lot of these marathons, I think that's where people get the idea like, Oh, I can do that too. And you know, he is great. Like he, he, <laughs> he just doesn't get hurt. Like I, I've been following his training for years and um, really durable athlete. And so I think that's where it gets tricky as you see someone who has a following, who's extremely durable doing something and you think I can do that too. And again, a lot of the marathons that I've seen him run I mean, I don't know what his PR is, but, you know, he might be running 10, 15 minutes slower than what a marathon PR is. But they're so fast. The times are still so fast mm-hmm. because he's a very fast runner. It's like he knocks out a 257 and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, Jake, how did you do that? But it's like, well, if he's a 238 right. guy or I don't know, his PR is something around there. <laughs> um, that's not I mean, it's still so fast and it's still hard, but it's not the same as if you were to do like a 238 you know marathon um so just thinking of those things and understanding you know you could if you if that's your goal is to run multiple marathons a year taking into consideration would you want to run five six eight marathons in a year that are 20 minutes slower than your pr 10 minutes slower than your pr and if the answer is yes then for sure i think you can do a lot more marathons in a year but if your goal is like you want to push for a pr faster time every time um mm-hmm. i think you know spreading them out definitely ideal
1: yeah and you know one other thing about like having that time goal a lot of people have that like um that sub four hour or maybe it's you know 345 or whatever it is or the bq goal and yeah, it's pretty far out there, and so what you probably want to do in the in the short term is set a more realistic, attainable goal, and it doesn't even need to be at the marathon. It could be in a shorter distance that basically equates that you could, that you know, through good training, you could get to that level in the marathon. So maybe it's a 10K time or a half marathon time that's a fairly close equivalent, and if you're not, you know, because if you're not there yet in those distances, that's a good focus to, to do first just because you might get more opportunities to do that, you know, and so... Um, I think that can also help build confidence, too, because once you have, you know, met that, that sort of time standard or that goal that indicates, oh, yeah, I'm in shape to run this four-hour marathon. Um, I, I ran this for a half. Okay, well, now you are going to be a lot more confident, I think, heading in to that marathon. And so, um, yeah, just one thing is to focus on attainable goals that are realistic. And um, it's okay to have uh, quite a wide variation between your short-term and your long-term goals
0: definitely. And so we've talked a lot about like why you should spread it out and maybe like potentially wait. Um one of the other factors I wanted to get into on this podcast, um uh, I feel like we've kind of <laughs> talked about the same roundabout thing, but I wanted to talk about like weekly mileage and how maybe that plays into training for a marathon. So I know athletes you can train for a marathon if you're a low mileage person and you can train for a marathon on, you know, three, three runs per week or whatever. But, you know, in the ideal situation, just as a coach, personally, what do you like to see someone has? Like if you see it on their intake form, you're like, yeah, they're in a really good place to train for a marathon. Mm. Cause obviously there's like that gray area where it's like, yeah, we can do this but but it's gonna it maybe is gonna be tricky like because some people are like waiting they're like what should I do you know maybe I want to wait till I have a solid base maybe I want to wait till you know I feel more confident ready stronger all those things to do their next marathon what sort of like benchmarks you
1: yeah I mean (laughs) a good question I think what I like to see is basically well first of all enough time right so you know 16 to 20 weeks is nice and at that point, if we're on that short time crunch, I want to see at least a couple long runs over over 10 to 12 miles. That's what I want mm. to see. So if I have an athlete whose longest run's eight miles, and there's a marathon in 16 weeks, I have had that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had that last last summer, and that Orange can just be a, that can just be a stretch. And so, um, especially if they have really like a like a high goal they want to achieve. So I think it'll really come down to I guess like what is the, you know, what's the importance of this race and what is the goal or the expectation. And then we can sort of start to talk about like what's the ideal time frame or benchmarks but you know consistent running schedule as well so like as long as i see consistency like if they say they're like to run four days a week and they're running four days a week great um if they say they typically run five days a week and i'm seeing they're running two one week four the next week one then five and you know if it's all over the board like that that's sometimes um you know not a benchmark that's hit in my mind and so you know, those are kind of the things that I look for, but definitely definitely that long run over 90 minutes, um, you know, at least a few of them. Be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get people, it's like even anywhere between four to eight weeks off from their marathon and Oof. I pick it up and they're, I, it, I've gotten people who like haven't ran at all and they wanna, yeah. and then I, you get some people or they've done, you know, like 20, 30, 40, you just get the whole spectrum. Um, so it's yep. like we can yep, work with it. pretty much anything, right? As coaches. <laughs> But ideally, like if we're talking like ideal scenario, like what would you love to see? Like what would be ideal for the athlete and like their own performance and just how confident you would be going into that marathon, how able you would be to like do all the training, absorb everything and really like get to that extra edge and next level on race day. I'd like to see six to four months of training and working together before the race. And then
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, it would be nice to have them starting. Like if it's six months out, like if you're around 30 35 miles a week and that's six months out, if you're four months out, like, yeah, closer to 35 miles a week, which again, it can vary. So I'll, I'm just putting that ballpark out because a lot of people, um, like you're in a certain pace range that would probably be close to what like five five hours of training a week it, mm-hmm. if you're doing five hours of aerobic training a week you're in a pretty good um setup for for yeah. success so it's gonna vary based on like what your pace is obviously like someone like my mom for example like she runs about 30 35 miles a week but someone who can cover the ground a lot faster they might be up at like 40 45 right. and it's like the same amount of time training so i like to go more off of time so i think five hours really great place to be at if you're yeah. training for a marathon because you got to think like how long are you running your marathon how long does it take you oh oh like four hours okay well we should be able to at least do that amount of work in a week right so a yep. little bit more than that and so me it's like it takes about three hours to run a marathon i try to like for my base i like to do like seven hours in a week of training and that can look different for everyone so some people are going to do more cross training than others but ideally um about that five five hour mark um leading into it and there's a lot of reasons for that so like you were saying you like to see that someone is able to do a 10 to 12 mile long run and i think that's really important to kind of note because if you're struggling with like after a 10 mile long run to recover to get back into things that's going to make training a little bit more challenging because if it's taking you more than two days to recover from a 10-mile long run, ooh, that's going to be hard to get a workout mm-hmm. in and then to build that long run. So the way that training is made, it it builds on itself. So if we start you off and you've only done a 10-mile long run um, the next week, maybe it's we're going to have you do 11 miles. And then it's going to just take longer to recover from the 11 mile, it takes two days to recover, four days to recover from your 11 mile long run. Then you're at your workout. You have to take three days to recover from that. Then we're at your next long run. And then maybe we're gonna have you do 12 miles. Well, what if you take a whole week to recover from that because all of a sudden you've never done more than, you know, 10 miles and it is a big stress on the body. And coming from someone like myself, I didn't have a background in running before I signed up for my first marathon. I had been running for like two years, but I hadn't really done. I've done zero runs over like 90 minutes, basically. It was like maybe a handful here or there. I touched like 90 minutes or like 140 minutes or one hour and 40 minutes. But once you hit like that two hour mark, it hits different. Like it can Mm -hmm. really just drain the body. And so that's why it's really important that someone has the mileage base and the history in the sport. If you don't have the mileage base can also help as well. So like you, when you train for your first marathon, I don't think you ran incredibly high mileage, but because you had a history of running and that's the other thing I noticed a lot of people who have the background with the cross country in college, in high school, they can all of a sudden just like build up to a marathon and it's not really a huge deal for them. But if you were to take someone else who's done a few five K's, 10 K's, it's a totally different ball game. Cause in cross country, for those who aren't really aware, you probably never ran more than 12 right. miles. Yeah. So to make that jump and to do it so effortlessly, I think it's a testament to just your body being adapted over time.
1: Right. Well, and the consistency was there of running, you know, depending on the athlete five five to seven days a week right and so for year after Mm -hmm. year plus you're doing a lot of races too so um yeah most adults don't have like that type of consistency when they move up to the marathon for the first time but um so that just again goes to show you like if you take time away from the marathon but yet you're still consistent training for shorter cycles um you can be you can gain fitness quick and get back to the marathon distance in a year or two and and not skip a beat um and maybe even feel a bit refreshed you know so yeah i think just it's about the consistency and the you know building up that weekly mileage. Um, definitely year, year after year. year, yeah, it yeah. makes
0: a difference for sure. Um, yeah, and then the last thing we want to talk about on this episode is just like we've gone into depth about like what the ideal thing is to do if you want to get faster and how we should go about doing that. Um, and a lot of it is like so intricate. It's like, okay, limit how many marathons you should run. You should train this way. Do these mm-hmm. workouts, like get all the sleep, do all of the things. So like, let's say you trained perfectly in a vacuum. You followed all the rules. You did all of the things. How much more, efficient or how much faster are you going to become than if you were to just like kind of wing it, do whatever, do multiple marathons a year, just kind of like whatever you felt like, like what is the difference really in the Delta there? And there's no like right or wrong answer, but like in your opinion, based on the observations of you have acquaintances who you've seen kind of oscillate between two methodologies. Um, You just know, you know, a lot of people in the sport of running. So like based on your observations only, How big of a difference do you really think it makes?
1: That's a great question. Because for like a new runner, it could, or a fairly newer runner, it could be the difference of a DNF or a finish in (laughs) a race, right? Or it could be, it could be 20, 30 minutes in the marathon. And for runners that do it frequently, it's probably less, you know what I mean? Like it it might only be like five minutes, eight minutes, somewhere in Mm -hmm. there. I think, yeah, I think it'll really just depend. But, you know, I think even the runners that you mentioned earlier that are doing multiple marathons in a year, it would be interesting to see if they took time away from it and then Um, kind of train on some shorter stuff, went back to it, would they be able to get a PR? You know what I mean? Or, you know, at least within like um, one to three attempts at at the next marathon distance, could they achieve a PR? And so it would be a cool thing to look at. But I think think the longer you're doing it for, it probably affects you a little bit less. But I don't know. What do you think?
0: No, that's a really good point, as I think the longer you've been doing it for, the less it affects you just because, like, the law of diminishing returns. So if you start putting structure in someone's training when you're just starting off, you're going to see massive. It's like a hockey stick, right? Like, you just see huge growth, huge um, benefits, huge increase. But obviously, as you get faster, it's, like, harder and harder to get faster. So you have to be a little bit more neurotic about, like, every little thing that you do. And that's why as you get faster, you might see people – Like there's this guy i met at a marathon like a year and a half ago and he was telling me about how he tried to break three for like years and years and years or whatever and then he's like and then i finally did it when i was like 42 or whatever and I was like, well, what, was, what is your secret? Like what what led to the mm-hmm. breakthrough? And he goes, well, I cut out drinking for a year. I like hardly ate any meat. He was like telling me about all of his diets. So he's like, I didn't eat dairy. I just like hyper-focused. I, I had like no life. I went to bed early. And this is a guy recalling this 20 years later. Like this guy was in his sixties and he was telling me all of this and how dead, like how crazy he was. And he just was like rattling all this stuff off. And he's like, so that I know that that's why. And so for him, it's like, it gave him like three minutes to do all of this like neurotic stuff right. to really, really reach your potential took three minutes, two minutes off his marathon time. So I think it just really depends on like where you're at and like, if you're willing to kind of make those sacrifices for your time, I think for like the average person it's probably like anywhere between be anywhere between like 30 minutes, to 15 minutes on a marathon, um, time, but you know, the faster you are, the more, I don't know. Right. It, it just really depends. And then it also depends on, like, what you're doing instead of following this. You know, if you're still training pretty responsibly and whatnot, it could be as little as, you know, a couple, couple minutes. And for some people, it's like they don't like the pressure of all that. They don't like the pressure of training for the goal marathon and that's a whole another episode of like performance anxiety that can come into play. So if you're doing multiple marathons mm. a year, it maybe puts less pressure on you. Cause I know like before races where it's like my A race, I can get like kind of anxious before the race. Right. And that's why it's you, good to do
1: shorter races too, just to go through the motion. Right. right. And sometimes have a time goal, sometimes not, you know, um,
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think this is an interesting episode. Hopefully people can use some of these um, ideas as they're framing up their 2023 goals or even just goals in general for long-term success in the sport and just know that it can take time to see results and just be in it for the long run because what else are you going to be doing with your time? It's just a great sport to get involved in for the long term and you can really see results for years and years to come. And so that's why I think it's actually great that it takes a while to see results because it just shows that if you are consistent and you stick with it over time, you actually do get better and you can have these breakthroughs years later. Um, but there were a lot of things that were covered in here, and I think it wasn't really specific to any one individual. And so that's why it can be difficult when we're talking on a podcast because it's not individualized. And we love working with people and getting to know each person on an individual level so that we can create a plan and come up with workouts idea brainstorm what your two four-year plan looks like in the sport of running and work with you on being consistent and nailing those quality workouts twice a week for year after year. And working with a coach can really be a game changer when it comes to your running and your performance in general, especially if you have performance related goals, it's great to connect with a coach and see what are the things that I can be doing to optimize my training and really reach that next level with my running. And so at run for prs we offer a free seven day trial. We have 19 expert coaches and we would love to get you connected with one of them and get you set up with a free seven day trial so you can try out this training. Connect with your coach. Have even a phone consultation with them. It's really good to break the ice, get to know you, and see if it's something that you want to do or not. There's absolutely no strings attached. I know it's a new concept for a lot of people, this online coaching thing. So We like to just allow you to try it, see what our app is like, and see if you connect with a coach. So Again, it's www.run4prs.com. Fill out the form on our website for a free seven-day trial. Thanks for tuning in.